0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Atari Hacker Podcast, I'm not in the usual setup, and you will understand why in a second. But first of all, let me just put some context here. This episode was shot about a week and a half ago, where we tested Surfer AI along with all the other one-click article generator tools. Because at the time Surfer had announced a release date for their AI tool, we thought it was ready, so we tested it the same way as we would on a finished tool, except it wasn't ready When we tested it, it performed kind of good, but in the realm of like, yeah, it's okay, but I would probably not use it. And that's because it was using GPT 3.5, which is basically the cheapest API from OpenAI at the time. And the justification they gave us was that they had some API access issues, which is true, we had the same problems when we launched BrownSnap. Then we basically scheduled this podcast for release on Monday. They saw the thumbnail and they messaged us a little bit worried saying, what are you gonna say about us? And I told them the truth, it was okay, but it wasn't as good as a tool like Koala, for example. Then that's when the weird stuff starts happening. I, at the time, was traveling in Wroclaw, Poland, which is where my wife studied and we have a bunch of friends. And through chatting with them and giving them feedback on the tool, I realized their main office is also in Wroclaw, Poland. So it was Saturday, we were exchanging, I was giving them a lot of feedback on the tool and they were really keen on taking the feedback and implementing that on the tool and started showing me a bunch of improvements, including switching from the cheapest OpenAI model to literally the most expensive one, which is GPT-4 32k token, which most people can't even access at this point. There's a really, really long queue and even if you have GPT-4, you probably don't have access to the 32k. And as they did that and find the prompts, the results got a lot better to a point where, for info articles, I would say they actually beat Koala compared to what we had in the podcast. And for random previews, I would still give the palm to Koala at this point because they have a dedicated template, but surfacing that said that they would also release that shortly after they released the product. So now I'm here in a software office shooting in their Studio to just do justice to the product they just released, because as far as one-click article generators, it's pretty much as good as it gets for this category. Now, despite all the improvements to the tool, the recommendations we make in a podcast still stand true, which is... I would not rely on a one-click article generator to generate content, not read it, not edit it, and publish it on my site. I would recommend that you use these tools as kind of a first draft tool, and then you add value on top, because if you don't actually do anything to this content, it may be easy for you to generate, but it's easy for your competitors to generate. And you're going to be drowning in a sea of competition six months from now, regardless of whether the article ranks today or not. And we don't think it's a good strategy for your websites. So we see these tools as more of a way to remove the tedious part of the content creation process so that you can focus on adding value, doing original research, experiencing things that AI can't experience and add on top of that so that you stand out from your competition and you succeed long-term and not short-term. So none of that has changed despite the improvement to Surfer. As far as the product, it's a lot better than what we tested in the podcast, and we wanted to make it justice in this intro. So I'm not going to tease you anymore. Let's get started with the podcast. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome to the Atari Hacker Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to talk about one-click article writers. I'm sure we're in the middle of a big marketing campaign where Surface is using their new, uh, essentially, content generator, and a lot of people are using these kind of tools. So we're going to talk about them. We tested a few of them, and we're going to talk about whether you should consider using these tools, whether you should not consider using these tools. I'm not fully against it. Actually, one of the tools in the batch that we tested impressed me quite a lot, and I think the Like it's not something necessarily we publish right away, but it's something that could definitely be a base for something we publish. So we'll talk about that. But before that, obviously we're gonna ask Mark, how are you doing, Mark? I'm doing good,
1: thanks, Gail. Just recovering from the hangover that was Google I.O. yesterday. Yeah, let's talk about this for five minutes actually. Let's talk
0: about this for about Google IO, because obviously like people are gonna be talking a lot about that too. So we're gonna talk about one click article writers, but like let's just do a quick recap. The first thing that Google announced is this Palm2 model. Palm is basically GPT for Google. Like it's their own language model. Uh, so they announced like a better one, and I already announced the next one as well. They like we have one called Gemini that is going to come as well. That is multimodal, and also one thing that was very well, interesting. What, what, is, what
1: does multimodal mean? Sorry.
0: Multimodal means that you don't just you don't need to just input text. You can input images, for example. Like you can take a photo, and it will like uh, it's used. They, they showed an example of like how they do that for palm, for example, where they show you know like uh, X rays. And it just analyzes what's going on and makes the diagnosis, basically. So that's an idea of multi like, uh, multimodal. But they also said something about Gemini that was very interesting to me that I think nobody in the SEO world noticed from what I've seen on social media, is that building they're building watermarking in from the beginning. What does that mean? That means that they will be able to tell if the model generated an image, if the model generated a text or something like that through watermarking. I don't know how they would do this for text, but I know for image, they're going to do this through metadata, basically, so that you won't be able to generate images that look real and tell people it's real if they check the metadata, basically. So it's going to gonna give a layer of safety and responsibility, as they say. But like I'm curious to see if they can do that with text, which is a lot more complicated, because like raw text, you can't put metadata behind it. So let's see how it goes. But like there was a, a little bit of talk about uh, watermarking, which was very interesting to me.
1: I think, though, like the biggest issue or the, the thing which will probably be concerning most people listening to this show is going to be the changes to the SERP layouts, particularly for like best keywords. I think they had an example of a roundup review keyword there. And essentially what they've done in we this really example, preview,
0: it was similar. Yeah, and,
1: and remember that uh, this is the kind of very early stage like concept, the reality is probably going to be a bit different, especially when they have to factor in their own advertisers. But essentially it was like a, a super featured snippet which had all of the products available on Google Shopping, of course. And instead of taking content from, you know, scraping content from sites and using that as a featured snippet, as they've done and tested quite heavily in the past, particularly in the US, they have instead just generated that content themselves from AI. And it looked to be, you know, DC. It looked
0: like an affair table quite a bit, basically, like, you know, best for X, best for Y, etc., you know?
1: Something We were talking about this before the show, and you, you said something which I hadn't seen anyone else comment, and it was like, it didn't look like a search results page that you could scroll down. You said it that looked like the extent of the page, and so you think a lot of people wouldn't be scrolling down to organic results there.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, they use a the trick, you know, they change their background colors, so basically you have like and actually the, the layout of the sub is a little different. It has the basically your prompt box slash search box on top. Then you have a row of ads where it shows ads, and then it changes color, it goes to this like light purple. And then it gives you the AI generated content, which has in this case it had three bullet points of like things to consider when buying a bike. And like kind of like a very, very condensed version of like a buying guide. And then it had something that looked like and a comparison table, like with like best for the city, best for the countryside, things like that, basically. And when you click on them, it would open a side panel and it would show that product on Google Shopping with the different price offers and different retailers that sell that. And as you scroll below that, which was essentially below the fold at this point, then you'd get the traditional search results. One thing to note, though, is that they also put links to websites on the top right of the sub. So there was also three links to essentially three affiliate review type thing articles in there, which is quite interesting because if you're there, like most likely your CTR is going to be quite similar. Whether you're one, two, or three, basically. So, like the CTR map is gonna change a lot. I can't say it's a positive thing for CTR. I think some people will just decide to just go through and use that. But at the same time, if you consider especially that example, right? It was a bicycle, right? So, the bikes were like one thousand three hundred to two thousand something dollars. Pretty expensive um, purchase. And it's like they would just tell you best for this, best for that, etc. And so, in that case, like if I was buying a bike, I'd probably watch reviews or read reviews or something like kind of like research a little bit.
1: The buying journey is longer the more expensive the product is.
0: There's no denying that some people will. Just jump the ship and just click the button and buy, and it's gonna cut some clicks for my affiliates. But like also for like these kind of like uh, like more important purchases that take a significant percent percentage of your income, I do think that there would still be like some more research, and you would most likely see people click on the guides, click on all of that, etc. There is another thing that they actually didn't show in the keynote, but they announced through a blog post called Perspectives, which I think is also quite interesting, which is basically. It's basically an EEAT widget. Let's just call it that. Where they want to surface personal experiences that you've had related to the query. So they could be surfacing short videos, so TikToks and YouTube Shorts most likely, because uh, TikToks already indexed blog posts, so text uh, websites and YouTube videos. And so essentially it's kind of like a block, but then if you click it, it just expands and takes over your whole screen with kind of like a wall of videos and articles and things like that, that looks like they're basically trying to get away from cookie cutter SEO content and refocus more on experience and, and actually do the EEAT stuff for real this time, not just saying it. There's been a
1: situation right now is really like you or I buying something on, uh, go to Google, search for it, and you don't really trust the results because they're all say the same thing. They're all kind of like try and put this EEAT stuff in there to to tick that box, but very rarely do people actually like provide you with like a really good experience of selecting that that product and give you good insights. You kind of have to go to a few different places to to get that
0: yeah, and on that note on e e a t et cetera they have announced an upcoming potentially quite large helpful content update that is aimed, and it's like in the notes that they put on the blog post they have a blog post about this, we can link to this in the show notes, et cetera if you want to check it out, but like they say. That this time they will try to understand through the content itself whether the person had experience with what they're talking about. But like, what was interesting is through the content, which tells me in a way that they probably weren't doing it through the actual words of the page so far. Maybe they were doing it through links. Maybe they were doing it through, through other ways, basically. But it's funny because I think I've talked about. I can't remember. I've talked about that when we did the Ahrefs talk, when people were like, oh, is Google going to generate, detect AI content? And I said, no, I think what they're going to do is they're going to create something that an AI agent that acts like a human quality rater and try to answer these questions, like, do I trust the page? Do I, like, for real? Like, It's not how you create the content, you know?
1: it's the output of it that, that should be the defining factor of whether it's the deemed high quality or not.
0: And if they do that, in a way, it's like, I'm kind of happy in a way they do that because that would mean... The demise of 100 percent search intent. You need to match exactly the format of what's ranking on Google. It's like maybe not the demise, but like the reduction in power at least, you know? Like, if
1: certainly for sites like Forbes or something that they can just yeah, use be their, trouble. their DR and write kind of like an average article, the same as you or I would write on a, an affiliate site, but just they instantly rank number one because they have that authority. Like it's just uh, it's
0: difficult. That might open up some spots. Like it's like I'm I'm kind of hoping to see like Forbes take a fucking big hit actually from this. I <laughs> like you know all the sides that like rise their authority. To produce the really quite bad content, but because they're Forbes or any other it's side not, is it's plenty. not. It's like, not
1: bad. It's just like it's just very average. It's not I EAT. It's not what yeah. Google
0: says. It's like yeah. Google says, "Hey, we want EAT." You open that, you're like, "That's not it," you know. And it's like if that gives the opportunity for small content creators to step up and actually do that, then it, in a sense, it's an opportunity.
1: I think for the last twelve years or so, almost every update that's come out, it's it's felt certainly to affiliates that you know oh, we're fav- Google's favoring bigger sites, bigger authority sites, and and, and all that kind of thing. But I think it's about time that affiliates are throwing a bit of a bone in this. this. and I'm not sure if, if the SERP features bit is, but whenever there's disruption here, it creates a lot of opportunity. So if you can seize that, then it could be a good thing as well.
0: The thing as well is like with this perspective thing, like what it makes me think is like maybe the way forward, if EEAT is truly rewarded finally, the way forward would be to both run a website and a YouTube channel, things like, like kind of like mix things up because you can, I imagine YouTube gaining lots of search traffic from that, for example. So like it becomes more interesting. And if you're doing this thing in real life, like why not make videos as well? So it's like, it's one of the things that I'm considering, like the way we run our field size uh all like publishing businesses will probably change, but I could see kind of like a a a rebalancing where you can you can capture traffic on one side where you lose on the other side and kind of like balance things out basically Another thing I want to say about this is like we've seen these things, but let's look at how they're rolling it out right There was no date given on when that would be released. And the way it works is they, they essentially release a beta program that you can sign up for that will essentially allow you to test these features. And usually when a program like that rolls out and you need to sign up and they're building a whole program around it, etc., it's not for two weeks, you know. It's like something that's going to last for a while. And so I would not be surprised if this lasted at least a year and like maybe next year at Google I.O. they announce some of these rolls out to the main search or something like this. You know, It's like, I think the way I see this roll out is like, I think we might see some of these widgets, like this perspectives widget, I could see that probably in the sub a bit earlier. I could see the big helpful content update that they essentially pre-announced roll out fairly soon them trying to reshuffle a bit their results, et cetera, without the generative AI on top. And then the generative AI comes a little bit later, but at the same time, they've shown shareholders, look, we have a product answer to ChatGPT, to OpenAI. We have BARD as well. BARD also is becoming quite good, like uh, with the new Palm and they're releasing plugins. They will plug into your Google Docs, et cetera, your Google Drive. Like It's going to be, it could be a pretty useful tool. They've reassured shareholders. Being like, hey, we we have some products that are actually pretty cool coming up, without disrupting their revenue model, which also would piece off shareholders if they roll this out. And because now, when they talked about ads in this effort sub, they were like, oh, we're putting ads on top, but we're kind of trying to experiment. We're not too sure what we're gonna do with this, etc. So it's like it's still very much a influx for their revenue engine as well, and they they could be disrupting themselves if they roll it out too fast. So I think it was a smart move to show cool stuff, but not necessarily roll it out very quickly. To just show their inner race. so it's like my opinion is uh, generative AI is still quite a while away, but we might see the perspectives widgets, we might see uh, the big uh, helpful content updates. Maybe they will apply AI more to the algorithm to judge websites, things like that, etc. So that's pretty much where we're at. We'll see what happens, and because it's going to take a while to roll out, I one thing I want to say is like it's probably not going to roll out the way we've seen it. In Google I/O, it's going to be slightly different. If you look at Bart, for example, when they first. It was a shitty chatbot, it gave zero links, it gave none of that. Now they've shown how they give a lot more attribution to content or they link to at least related content and so on. They have to be a bit
1: careful of this because of the like the whole litigation thing with you know governments going after them and, and stuff yeah, like Google, with Google, the Google News. news yeah. We've talking about that before, yeah.
0: Yeah, so it's like Google News, they got in trouble for literally giving the news in the headline despite linking to the publishers. So it's like imagine if the generative AI cuts too much traffic to big newspapers that politicians don't care about your site, but they care about big websites. And it's like it's good enough because you you're in that basket where like you be you know treated the same. And so I don't think it's gonna roll exactly the way we see it, but something inspired by this could be rolling out in a year plus time. I think that's pretty much this. Some opportunities potentially with the AT. Potentially some negatives with the, the generative AI, but we really can't tell. It's kind of like too far from being rolled out at this point. So that's our catch up on Google I.O. Let us know what you think. All right, so now let's talk about one click content generator. It's basically a new category of AI tools. For a while, we had like the Jasper clones, which were basically text editors, and then you'd write a prompt and we'd just write some of the article, then you'd keep writing it writes again, et cetera. Now we're getting even more lazy and we just want the whole content to be done for ourselves without uh, doing anything, which makes sense. The New models like GPT-4, et cetera, they're pretty good at writing. You can give them more autonomy in a way. And so I've looked at four tools. I've looked at ZimWriter, I've looked at Koala.sh, I've looked at Phrase.io that just released something kind of, it's not exactly a one click, but it's. we'll talk about this. And I've actually been testing the Surfer AI that's coming out. Pretty much at the time at which this article, this uh, blog podcast is coming out. So we're going to talk about this. I've used it. It's like, it's not like I've spammed it, but I've generated several articles with it, like basically. And it's like, um, I, I got a feel for it, but I think there may be more nuance if you explore it more. So full disclaimer. Uh, And same with all of these, like one click article writers is not really something we use in our process right now. I did try Koala when they released it because there was so much hype on like emails and Twitter and everything that was like, I need to try this out. It's like, I was like, it's okay, but it's like, I'm not super impressed. So what I did is I took except for ZimWriter because it's Windows only. (laughs) So it's like, it's really annoying to use. And I don't have a Windows computer. For Koala, for Phrase and for Surfer, I have taken essentially the same prompts, which is literally just just give your keyword. And I was like, I want to do no work. I just want to give the keyword to the tool. I want to see what they output without my help, right? And usually the way these tools work is you input your keyword, they generate an outline. Usually the outline generated is just H2s and H3s. And then, except for phrase, phrase kind of like goes a little bit deeper. And then you approve the outline or you can change it manually. So you can add some extra headlines, you can remove some, etc. You can you have some control uh, control over that. And you click on the let's write button and you get an article, right? That's pretty much how it works. And so I've done two samples articles. I've done one that is a random preview because I know people are going to care about this. And I've done one that is, and then the keyword, sorry, is best paintball guns for beginners. And then one that is an info article that is paintball rules, the official paintball rules. That's the keyword. And usually I've used the max settings on all of these. So on Koala, for example, a two thousand word article, like the random preview was two thousand words, cost me about five dollars on my plan. That's
1: interesting. It's like I mean, it's still much cheaper than working with a experienced, expensive writer, but it's not not nothing. It's not as
0: cheap. Yeah, I mean, they basically overcharge you for it. Like, you don't put your API key, but they charge you four or five times the API price. But in exchange, they build a bunch of useful tools that prompt the tool run, which honestly, it's it's fair. It's not $5 per article. It's not too bad. And I must say, I was very impressed with the roundup preview from Koala. I think it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Like it has several options as well where you can put your affiliate ID. So it actually goes and finds the products, but it also changes all the links to your affiliate links. It actually checks the top ranking results and it tries to optimize them. It optimized the article for ranking. So actually I put the roundup preview from Koala in Surfer to get the score and it gave me 50 when the same article from Surfer gave me 54. So Surfer was like a little bit more optimized, but wasn't too far. I put all the sample articles in the show notes. So you can go on the toyhacker.com slash podcast and go find this podcast. That is 311. And then you will be able to check all the samples we're talking about. But we're going to show them on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. So the problem with the the coalescing is like, first of all, the intro is like massive. It's too long. It's way too long. It, it is.
1: <laughs> but if you got that from a writer, you wouldn't be surprised.
0: Nah, and you can edit it. It's it's fast you know like it's like I would definitely skim like uh, slim that down but I think it's like for me it like it gave me four pretty chunky paragraphs I'd want one of them people want the answer to what they're here like they're here to, to get products they're not here to read, to read my life story so it's like the way I did it I would do that but then after that it got pretty good the products it picked, I think it, it looked at the competitors on the subs. Like it's like it's pretty smart on that. So my
1: issue with this is actually product selection. If you look, the first product is this mad dog corners tactical beginner HPA paintball gun. And then the second one is the same thing, but not an HPA paintball gun package. Yeah, I see,
0: yeah. And also it's not just a gun, it's a package, which is like it's not really a query. To be fair, you I think you could change that in the outline phase. I haven't. But like if I was actually intending to publish something, I would double check the products it recommended. But in this case, yeah, it's like the product selection, I agree, not the best. However, the way they write about the product... is good, yeah. ...that impressed me (laughs) because it fakes EEAT very well in the way it writes. It's like, oh, we were thoroughly impressed with the Mad Dog Tipman. In our experience, it's a high-performance paintball gun that offers dominance and great reliability. We appreciated the Marcus composite construction, which makes it lightweight, comfortable to hold, with molded rubber giving us better control during the games. Sounds like you used it, literally. (laughs) Very, very impressive how this was done. And it's like, the thing is like, Koala has like a, um, an, a special article template for random previews. And you, it shows here. It shows that they have like special writing prompts for these things because the way these article generators do is like they write section by section. And the way they've done that is they've programmatically set up the article template where it's like write the intro. Probably their prompt is a bit long. But then after that, for each one, I can imagine the prompt says like, oh, write as if you used the, the thing, read the reviews, the, the Amazon reviews, and then just like pretend you used it based on what they say, something like this. It does a, surprisingly good job. Like I think uh, most writers would not do much better.
1: Most writers that don't know paintball or play paintball would not do much better on the first go. I think it's like 95% there, but very impressive. Probably the most impressive roundup review I've seen so far from AI. Certainly, if you look in the SERPs, this is better than some human-written content. Uh, that's out there.
0: Yeah, I think if you can uh, I, it's like, uh, if you pick the right products it, it would do, like this section I would use actually, I would put on my article, I don't think it does worse.
1: And I think that's kind of the theme of, of this this episode, like these tools are really helpful, but they're never going to be truly one click.
0: You shouldn't publish, not reading them.
1: <laughs> yeah, because of little issues like this here, but even with just a little bit of extra work and editing and changing the, the products in this case, or the intro or whatever it might be, you can get Very, very close, at least.
0: That's the thing. It's like, is it worth five bucks for you to get this draft? I think that's kind of my question to you. Because that's really what it is. It's like, it doesn't mean you don't have to touch it. It doesn't mean you don't have to do anything. about. And I would like, it's missing like TLDR section on top. It's missing FAQ. It's missing all of that. Like, I would not apologize. But if you kind of like dress it up, And edit it and make it pick the right products. Is it worth five bucks? Yeah, it would be more expensive to get someone else to do this draft. If you look at the buying guide, it's not that long, but I think it picked the right sections. Like it put budget considerations, types of gun, weight and comfort, durability and maintenance, and accessories and customization. It's not the most developed buying guide, to be honest. I think it's like it's okay, but that's one of the things where if I was publishing this on my site, I would probably expand that a bit. And the article is only 2,000 words. I don't know. It may be enough for this query because Painball is not very competitive but if it was a more competitive market you'd expect a, a much beefier uh, buying guide but overall what is written in there is, is okay I think it loses a little bit a little bit of that personal touch that it had like you know the tone feels a bit different from like when it wrote the product sections and you can see the prompts are different for course, defense you can actually prom, like put different prompts for different sections so you can actually you have uh, some control creative control over how it's going to write and it uses GPT-4 by the way that's why it's it's pretty expensive, $5 for like a auto-generated article, is, it's not cheap, for 2,000 words. So if you did 4,000 words, it cost you 10 bucks and so on. But overall, I think it's uh, it's better than expected when I walked into this podcast, to be honest.
1: Definitely, definitely.
0: Now I did the same thing with Surfer, and unfortunately, the result was not as good, but it had some interesting parts still. So same. The thing is, like the rule for this was, like I do no work, I'm the laziest bastard out there. I'm just putting the keyword and seeing what comes out. which Is not what you should do. But I know that's what a lot of you guys are going to (laughs) do. It's kind of like
1: none of Um, these tools really market themselves as, hey, we're a one click, you never have to do anything tool. But you get the kind of like secondary marketing, the like sort of implied marketing, like people saying it in uh, groups or like a lot of affiliates as well will be saying, like, oh, you know, like, get rid of all your writers, just press one button and get all your, your your content type stuff. That's kind of like the implicit dream that's being sold, even though it's not actually the reality of it.
0: And the thing is, like, no, for Surfer's defense, when they messaged me to talk about Surfer, they said, one thing I'd love to ask you is to avoid building the expectation of a one-click ready-to-publish article. So it's like, that's like I, so, I appreciate it. So, so do you that. think you've like, done that by calling this podcast
1: one-click article generators or...? Are-
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we're testing them, right? It's interesting to actually try this out and just go in real life, not being hyped That We don't use one-click article generators, so see what you get. And Surfer did quite a bit worse, and I think the reason why is because they don't have a dedicated article template for roundup previews. So just spoiler alert, it did a lot better on the info content. But for this one, it didn't do so well. The good thing is the intro is definitely tighter than Koala. So, like, it did a better job here. And it did a kind of like a short summary thing with like bullet points, which I've noticed it does in every article I do with Surfer. And I think it's good. I like it a lot, actually. I think uh, that actually beats Koala for the first section of the article. However, it starts falling apart as you go on. And to be honest, when I saw the outline it generated with AI, I can understand it actually did not really put like product names in H2s and H3s. And I let it go. If I changed that, I think it would have done a lot better job, but I just wanted to see, like this is like really uh, like a single experiment that does not necessarily reflect the, the breadth and width of the product. I might make a deeper video on that.
1: Maybe if you just quickly explain, like what are the touch points that you can input to in this process if, so uh, Surfer, if you choose
0: to? The way it works with Surfer is you go to the content editor, like you would when you were optimizing an article with that tool. It's basically the same tool. You put your keyword. It's going to scrape the subs, you know, pick the competitors, all that. Then you can pick the competitors it's going to use to generate an outline. So you have some control over that. Then you click a button, it generates an outline, H2s and H3s. You can change that if you want. You can rewrite things, etc., which I highly recommend you do if you don't, because otherwise you're going to end up like this random preview I got, which wasn't very good. And then after that, you click a button, I erase the article, And it's going to output the content in the content editor. And the really good thing with Surfer is it optimizes them quite well. The Surfer score, like the optimization score, is always pretty high. This one was like 55. It was one of the lowest I got. Most of them are like in a 60, 70 score without touching them.
1: And does it write initially with all those keywords in there? Or does it write it and then add them in there later? Initially,
0: it has them. Right away, like your first dress, have them. And it's like, it's it's decent. The problem is like, my problem with surface content in general, and you can see it in this example article, like if you read, basically it didn't even go into products. Like the headlines are like top 10 paintball guns for beginner, but it kind of like didn't break. I mean, it did talk about some stuff, but it's it's messy, basically. It's just like a big blob of text. Then mechanical uh, electric paintball guns, HPA versus, versus CO2, woods ball versus speedball, like it's kind of going a little bit off. But again, I let it write about whatever I wanted, and I think it just picked the wrong headlines from there. So it's like I think you could get a much better result if you inputted more data into the outline.
1: If you compare the surfer info article to the koala info article,
0: what it's what's a lot closer. It's a lot, a lot closer. I still. Lie. You know what impressed me with Koala is that they actually put tables in the article. Like yeah, um,
1: it, the, it it really feels like it's broken up, this kind of wall of text, there's a lot of bullet lists and kind of pulling the key information out and just the way they're writing the bullet list with like the bolded first few words to, to make it clear what it's talking about. It's, it's even visually just on the text document here, it looks great. Really does,
0: But it still messed up the intro. The intro is like way, way too long. It's not very good. So it's like, that's a problem. Like I would probably edit every single intro if I use this. It doesn't have this key takeaways section as well, which I really wish it had. It would all content should have that that at this point. Something that we implemented with AI right now, but... To be honest, you can literally do that with um, Bing and uh, Edge, so you can just open whatever article you have on your site and you say, write a key takeaways box, like five bullet points or something, it will read the article, write the box for you. If you have an element in generate, box, uh, in generate blocks, sorry, you can just put it there. So you don't really need to pay for a tool for that. You could essentially do that. But if you really want to be lazy, like I wish it was in there, I wish the template was altered a little bit.
1: Can you add your own like writing guidelines documents to these tools, or does that have to go like into each prompt?
0: So um, it's per article. So you can't like set something that's going to do all your articles on these lines. On Surfer, you really have no control over the writing style. I mean, you have control, sorry, on like the, you can say like friendly, conversational, SEO optimized, et cetera. But like my writing prompts, they include like full editorial guidelines quite often, for example. Like it's very precise, like how I want the AI to express itself. So that's why when we do AI content, like it reads very close to like something I would write or you would write or something like this, because it matches the tone of the brands that we built. You can do that with Koala to some extent, but you need to input that every single time you generate an article. You can't do this on the account, right? So Koala gives you actually let me just double check. If you go in the advanced options, you can give an outline prompt, so you can actually influence how it's going to generate the outline. You can give a title prompt, and you can give a section prompt. And section prompt is basically the sections in your article, so the body. And so, in the section prompt, you could be putting like your editorial guidelines and so on, and then influence the way it writes. Whereas with Surfer, you just have a drop down that lets you say friendly, SEO, casual, formal, etc., which gives you a lot less control over this, which is a bit of a shame, but I'm pretty sure it's like an update away. I'm sure they can add it if they want to. And uh, I'm sure they'll listen to this podcast and they'll do it. But yeah, Koala was pretty good. The topic, by the way, we haven't said was official paintball rules, which again is like, I tried to do something very... Simple, but yeah, it's good. It's broken down. It uses bullet points when it makes sense. It doesn't overuse bullet points, even though like maybe a little overused, I'd say, in safety and equipment, etc. Whereas the surfer article, let me open it. Surfer article was also pretty good. Like it actually got the outline was a lot better, I think. Um my problem with the surf article is it feels a bit too much like a wall of text. Like it has a short summary with bullet points, but the rest fails chunky paragraph after chunky paragraph after chunky paragraph. Even though the outline was pretty good, like safety rules, rules of play, paint checks, established boundaries, dead zones, staging area, game objective, creating teams, hits, etc. Like it's good. The outline is good. And it did an FAQ at the end. That's what one thing that uh, surfer does good is most articles have an FAQ at the end. So like it's almost like, you know, they, they each have their strong and weak points. Cause like coalized not good at intros. Surfer is better at intros, but then Surfer understands some core things that you'd want to see in an article, like the short summary, that the FAQ, like all of that, etc. It does a better job at that. But the problem is, I feel like Surfer uh, needs to work a little bit on their writing prompts. I think it's a little, a little fluffy. I have a GPT editor prompt that I use f- internally for us. So basically, one of its main instructions is like remove fluff. You know. And at some point, I put like a 3,000-word article from Surfer into that, and the article became 800 words, right? So it's like, it just like... It lost a lot of water weight, you know? And so it's like, that's pretty much where we landed on on this. But it's like, none of these I would probably publish as they are, but the closest one that is to something I'd publish as they are would be Koala for me, actually. Even though I think Surfer with a few updates can come very close, and to be frank, has a better user interface, like it's kind of like, Surfer is like a more evolved tool. It's just that this is a new section in there, I'm sure they will iterate on. And I would not doubt they can do that. The problem with software as well is you don't know which model they're using. It's like when I ask them which model are you using like GPT 3.5 or 4 like 3.5 is like way cheaper. It's like 10 times cheaper. So if you're a software company you're tempted to just Use some of that to generate more profit, basically. (laughs) Whereas Koala, you actually choose. You have a toggle, but GPT-4 costs like four or five times more. But as I said, like a 2,000 roundup article costs me five bucks with GPT-4.
1: I think it's worth saying that for Koala, the tool has been out there for a while. It's battle-tested, they've been updating it and improving it. But the entire company is quite new. Whereas Surfer, the company's been around for a while doing... SEO optimization stuff. So, you know, it's very sort of well developed. It could change quite quickly. Yes, The content part is like we're we're essentially testing the beta of Surfer against the version whatever of Koala here. So, I would think things will develop quite quickly here.
0: I'm actually wondering, they could uh, release a day one update. Like, it might be better than what we've tested, what people get. Like, it's quite common in product development. So, I would not be surprised if Surfer is a bit better than what we got. But yeah, in terms of of what came out, today, if I had to pick, just doing these things. And again, it's a very specific test. It's like, I put no effort. Into this, I would use Koala personally. And it's about the same price with the new pricing on Surfer. If you are like on a, I checked, like if you're on a $99 per month plan on Surfer or $89, I can't remember. I checked the price per extra article, like you have a certain amount of articles included, but price per extra article was like $5, which is about the price of a GPT-4 article with 2,000 words on Koala. So it's quite close. But I don't think costs is is something that uh, matters a lot. The problem is that when you do Koala, you have no on-page optimization tool. And so like, you cannot have to trust the tool's going to do a good job. It has an option to do that. And from my test, like, I've taken the content basically in Surfer. It was close enough. It was usually a bit lower in optimization than Surfer, but it was not too far, but yeah, it's like you're probably going to have to buy an on-page tool if you if you care about that. Whereas with Surfer, it's included in, so there's that extra value. So it's pretty much a very limited test. Doesn't mean that, like, it doesn't mean that one tool is better than another. I just wanted to share first-hand experience. I know people are kind of like that. After reading this content, how do you feel about one click? Content now? How would you like? You're running an affiliate site. Do you publish any of that? Do you consider using any of that in your process? How do you implement that?
1: No. So I'm not blindly publishing any of this. It could be done. And I think that the Koala one, especially, I could see many sites like blind publishing that one one click and doing okay. But then you, you get into the same situation. Well, if that's the baseline level of content and everyone can do that, why do you deserve to rank? You need to take things a little step further. And and you've you kind of highlighted that even with doing one or two little tweaks on the intro or adding an FAQ or selecting the right products, you can make it from kind of okay to pretty decent actually. Especially in like lower competition spaces, I don't think this. I don't think this stuff is going to be ranking for you know best vacuum cleaner or something like that anytime soon. Competing against the modern castles of this world, you're just not going to do that with this type of content. But it's very promising, and I think that there's a big use case, a big argument to say that if you can take the kind of experience and real world, yeah, real world experience that a uh, specialist writer in that space has combine it with this to make actually writing what they want to say faster and easier for them, then you might be onto a winner there. And I think whoever figures out how to mix and match those two worlds, will do very well.
0: Yeah, it's interesting as well. We obviously have a, a blueprint on how to create AI content. It's a little bit more hands-on, but the trade-off is you get a lot more control. It's also a lot cheaper, because we just use the GPT-4 API and we use basically free tools in Google Docs, etc. Like Your articles will be five times cheaper if you use the blueprint. And you will have more editorial control on like how it sounds, how it's edited. We also have like a full edition process as well that these tools don't have.
1: Maybe maybe we should make our own tool then. <laughs>
0: We could, but like it's just gonna be a race with everyone. It's like uh, I'd rather be the, the the guy who tests it.
1: I think yeah, it's a good point. I think there's a lot of these tools out uh, now. More and more coming out. More and more other tools implementing AI content creation in them. Do you everyone think we're gonna AI see now. this kind of like? commoditization of this type of, of content, if, if we haven't
0: already. Mm. We will, but it's still, like, you still need to build a process to, like, generate that content, essentially check it to make sure it's not, it didn't put uh, false information in there, etc. And then publish it in a clean way on your site. It, doesn't, it looks good, it's well formatted, etc. Like There's still, like, work involved. So it's like, I don't think it's going to be like mass spread right now, but eventually it's going to become part of the process to use some kind of AI to help you. Especially like I can see how you can be quite strategic about it. You can make a really good, let's say you, you have your best paintball guns article that's like really, really good. You bought the guns, you tried it, et cetera. You've gained trust from Google. And then you find all these low hanging foot low long tail keywords, and you make kind of like an edited Koala article from it, and you put it on your site and you can kind of like 10x your revenue having some of your hero pages done really well, building a great reputation, but maybe you don't have the resources to do the um, the long tail variations of that and you use some of these tools to like help you capture that traffic. I think that these kind of opportunities will be will be there, but I wouldn't run a site purely on just this kind of stuff I would mix kind of like hero content done really well, building reputation, getting links and everything, and then kind of deep link to it within my main hero articles to capture the long tail keywords, actually. So that's what I would do.
1: There's a lot of kind of like, I don't want to say lower quality, because that that kind of gives the wrong impression, but the support content where you're not really trying to impress your community, but you're just trying to, like have some content around that that keyword capture some
0: long tail traffic yeah it can be good for that like honestly I think I want to explore uh, uh, some of that actually like um, explore like really long tail like you know these kind of like keywords with twenty search volume on Ahrefs type stuff well it's like oh it's very relevant to like the audience I want to capture but honestly for this much traffic maybe it's not worth spending lots of uh, resources building that content well uh, maybe I can find uh, kind of like an eighty twenty process here. That allows us to publish something decent there, and it can be integrated into an existing hub or something like this. So I think for that, um, that there, there, there will be a place for these tools for that, where you kind of have higher effort, low effort content, you know?
1: Yeah, I think we'll, we'll be in a situation really soon where every sort of conceivable keyword, even kind of zero volume Ahrefs keywords, will have not be competitive, but will have a 10 plus articles written about, written targeted towards them. Whereas right now, a lot of them you have. Content written for different keywords, ranking for them because there's nothing specifically targeting it, type thing.
0: Yeah, but that's why that's why I think Google is gonna change. Like you know, dude, let's go back to Google. IO here. it's a full circle. You're gonna prompt Google more than like, you're not gonna just write a short keyword, etc. Like they really, that's what they were saying. Like you'll be able to find, you know, I want to go on a trip for five people with a dog and two kids, etc. Like, what is the best place? I will just find you an AI answer, but also relevant content for that. And so, like keyword research and the way you target keyword might change significantly. And I think what might change significantly is how we use search engines. And if that's the case, there will be a use case for creating this super ultra niche content that captures, for example, like it's very smart. Like if you're a travel blog, maybe you want to start creating content for like super big families because it's a really real trouble to to like travel with seven kids or something. (laughs) And also the high budget. So you can make uh, high commissions there. So maybe there will be a play here on like, hey, how do I travel to this place with a family of seven plus? And then like making a guide with AI that will do eighty percent of the job, and then you kind of like tweak it here and there, link to eleven pages on your site, and bam, you can capture that because people are prompting Google rather than rather than just typing more generic keywords. Basically, so there, I think that like it's all gonna come full circle with like search engines themselves changing and how people search changing, and so like this AI content might help you capture this kind of like very long tail keyword. It's gonna be a, a strategic game of like who has the most money to spend, what kind of content can I spend. if content is cl- created in a click. It's more about the strategy now. So I think that's going to be quite interesting. And obviously, like all this topical authority stuff where people want to cover the topic as much as possible. These kind of tools might help you a little bit with that, but I would not publish as it is. Any final
1: words of wisdom? Do you want to
0: add anything to this podcast?
1: Just one question at the end, you know, if you're writing all the content yourself or you have, you know, a small team of of human writers at at the moment, what do you do with this new information, this new landscape, these, these new tools? What action should the, the affiliate site owner be be taking today?
0: I mean, there's no way this doesn't like this is already too entrenched into the landscape that is going to go away. Like that, it doesn't mean like there could be a fad, there could be or just there could just be search engine taking a lot of the value of creating that content away eventually. Like so, for this very long term, that's possible. But the content creation process will include AI now forever. It will help you brainstorm, it will help, help you outline, it will help you write first drafts, etc. And so if you haven't started. Yet. It's time to start looking at this. But also be very wary of the hype. Because as you say, like these tools, they will sell you like, oh my God, you're gonna make so much money, you're gonna create all that content in one click. And 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 there are like you find examples of sites mass publishing AI content ranking well, but check them six months later and they're gone. Uh, and and Google seems to be determined to make more aggressive updates as they've ha- outlined with this new helpful content update that's most likely coming towards essentially surfacing real human content. Like, not because it's written by humans, but because it has real experience in there. And that's what they're looking for, which is a bit different. You could write real experience content assisted with ai for example that's possible so it's like it's a very delicate line to walk between not falling into the hype and not being left behind so yeah and that's what we try to do with the blueprint really like the blueprint is definitely not a one click article generator like you're involved in a content creation but ai helps you all stages like outlining writing and editing and speeds that up and so like that's our line on this we might be wrong history will tell but that's where we stand, I think.
1: I think there's also a kind of danger for anyone who's like brand new to this as well. Like, if you learn to create content through these tools versus writing something, you're, like if you've never written an article and you're trying to pull, pull it together just through these tools, I think that may pose certain challenges. Like your calculator examples, like if you learn to do math with a calculator and never know how to you add a few numbers to cal- together. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a bit of a problem. You have there. different
0: feel for numbers, you know? Like you don't uh, you don't truly understand it to that same level. So it's like it's kind of like the the karate kid, you know? It's like at the beginning he has to like take the jacket and put it like a thousand times or something. It's like you you kind of need to do that to create a website. And it's like even though it seems inefficient compared to people racing with AI, we still recommend people like in our training we recommend people write the first ten articles on their site. And it's like it's quite important because you, you will get a feel for what's good, what's bad, you will grow a level of self criticism or criticism towards content, you will be actually reading your competitors' content rather than just scrape it and just create something based on it, etc. And that knowledge of your industry, it's going to be necessary if we live in a world where like, real experience is rewarded, etc. And someone's going to have to care. Basically, the problem is like, if you think that you don't care about content you created in one click quite often, like you, it's just like you don't, you're not willing to put the effort into it just because it was too easy to get. Whereas when you spend hours on doing it, you, you kind of like protect it and you care more, et cetera. And so someone needs to care in your business and needs to be the gatekeeper towards not publishing shit on your site because that's the the key to getting in trouble with Google. And so that's the, if you can generate content with AI but still care, then it's going to be amazing. If you lose that level of care for your content, you don't check it as much, you don't edit it as much, etc., you're most likely going to be in trouble at one point or another. That's pretty much my take on this. All right, so I hope you guys enjoyed this experiment. Again, not a complete experiment. It doesn't mean that, as you know, one tool cannot beat the other in other situations. We are going to start releasing more content on our YouTube channel. So if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, go and subscribe on YouTube, Atari Hacker. We are actually slowly, but there's already a video that's out. So go and check it out because it actually reveals a brand new tool that we have released.
1: Hey, I just cut Gail because his outro was shit, so I'm going to record this again. But essentially, we have started doing YouTube videos now. Our first one was released uh, last week. So every second Monday when there's not a podcast, there's going to be a YouTube video. Uh, So if you're listening to this on audio or if you're listening to this on YouTube and not subscribed already, make sure to go over to the Authority Hacker YouTube channel. Subscribe there and you get a ton of new content now every single week from us. (laughs)